the next generation is beaming aboard the airwaves. All the wonder, the excitement, the drama of Gene Roddenberry's original Space Odyssey. Welcome to the Enterprise. With all new adventures from the 24th century. With an all new Enterprise. This is nothing like any vessel I've seen before. And an all new crew. Starfleet veteran Captain Picard, Commander Riker, Executive Officer, Chief Medical Officer Crusher, and her brilliant son, Wesley, Lieutenant Commander Data, an android, the telepathic Troy, Security Officer Yar, Jordy, a man with unique vision, and Klingon Officer Worf. Shields and deflectors up, sir. Go to yellow alert. Their continuing mission to boldly go where no one has gone before. Let's see what's out there. Don't miss the all-new television adventures of Star Trek The Next Generation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shameless Picture Show podcast. We are your hosts, Michael Viers, and... And I am Nick Richards. This is our debut episode, and today we'll be talking about Star Trek The Next Generation, created by Gene Roddenberry in 1988, and it stars Patrick Stewart, Jonathan Frakes... Frakes? Is that Franks? Franks, Franks, I think. I've never and met him we'll... in person to know for sure. <laughs> And Will Wheaton, among many, many other people, including the Reading Rainbow guy. Um, before we get into the discussion, let's talk about who we are and what the shame list is. I feel like most people kind of get the concept of a shame list, but, you know, just in case. If you don't, you will soon. Exactly. So, um, our, our, our history of podcasting is kind of strange because we've been talking about doing a podcast forever. <laughs> And then instead of doing a podcast with you, I did a podcast with someone else that didn't go. It, it was going well, but it just it just didn't happen. But I brought you on as a co-host one day. We clicked, and they're like, "Why don't Why don't I just do a podcast with Nick?" <laughs> and we've still only met the one weekend in person. Yeah, it's like we met each other for uh, uh, the Beloit Film Festival. Your movie Normal was showing, which. I proudly display on my shelf. I was showing two of my shorts, um, and uh, we fell in love. Uh, my fiance so felt really strange about. Yeah, my fiance felt really strange about it, but she seemed cool. <laughs> she seems cool, but she gets it though. That's the cool thing. Yeah. she gets it. She and, knows uh, she has to share you. <laughs> yeah, and we've like, it's like it's one of those cool like. Um, long distance friendships where like we talk to each other so very rarely but when we do talk it's like nothing's changed yeah. which is dope i i also find it kind of maybe anti-kismet that i lived so close to you for my entire life and it wasn't until like the year that i moved halfway across the country that we met and became besties yeah it, it's and that's the funny thing it's like um we could have been besties forever and who would have thought? Everyone keeps saying how how small Wisconsin is, but it's it feels pretty large. But uh, I, gu I guess we should talk a little bit about what the shame list is and like well, this podcast in general. Like we we've kind of been bouncing back and forth podcast ideas for a while, me and you, and we're always like, what do we do? What do we do? <laughs> and um, I think that's where the and we we knew we wanted to talk about movies and I guess pop culture in general. Uh, and it was kind of hard to come up like what separates us from every everyone else who's doing movie podcasts because there's some great ones and I know you listen to a lot of NPR and I'm sure they talk about movies occasionally. <laughs> and was it your idea to to do movies that we haven't seen? Um, it I think you specifically said that you wanted to talk about Star Trek, 
because it was something that you hadn't seen. And then I just grabbed onto that single uh, episode as, well, that would work as a broader theme. Yeah, because... Um, you know, me and Nick are bo- not only filmmakers but and nerds, but we are are uh, are cinema enthusiasts. <laughs> I think that's a that's a nice way to that's, say yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and what comes with that territory is we have seen a lot of movies, but even it's what's even more staggering. I feel are the movies that we haven't seen because for me it almost becomes frustrating when there's a movie I know I haven't seen. And uh, every so often, I'll just get an, like an itch. It's like, I need to track down this fucking movie, and I need to see it. And I know with myself, when I talk to other filmmaking friends, they'll mention movies. And to not feel like the odd one out, I'll pretend like I've seen it. Like, oh, yeah, it's a great oh, movie. Yeah. And well, and I just ho- I hope they don't ask me details. <laughs> that one time I'm- when they did the thing. I'm too embarrassed to admit that, oh, I haven't seen The Exorcist, which I haven't. <laughs> what? You've never seen? And there's that there's that moment that I I know I've been on the receiving end of multiple times, but I've also done it to other people, not intend Again, just my, my cinema enthusiasm coming out. What? You've never seen? Fill in the blank. How could you have never seen that? That movie has affected me in such a strong way, and I just want everybody to have felt that, and it accidentally comes out as this i'm judging you for your choice and what you do and don't watch pretty much um and for me too it's 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 um like i'm almost gonna sound like you know the hipster version of a cine, of, uh, of a cinephile because like there's so many movies like the godfather or blade runner or you know these big seminal movies that i just chose not to seek out and instead of like, what's this weird little obscure film that was made the same year? <laughs> Let me watch that instead. Right. Uh, and I think part of that also comes down like, when I first started getting into movies, like, I I didn't have a very open mind. I was looking for things that I knew that were going to entertain me. And I th- if I thought it was going to be boring, I was like, I don't want to watch a boring movie. <laughs> That's a waste of my like, time. And then like they just kept piling up and moving farther down the list and. And that's kind of how my shame list began. And I think this podcast is kind of is a, is a great way for us to like finally have an excuse to watch some of these things. Like, there's quite a few of the movies that I know we want to talk about on the show on Netflix right now, and I still haven't sat down to watch them. I haven't had that thing just to kick me in the butt to go watch them. Well, mm-hmm. I am proud to be what kicks you in the butt. <laughs> Almost spit out my coffee. <laughs> You know, uh, um, something else that I was thinking of as we were compiling our formal shame list, you know, it's always been brewing in the back of my head, but when we started putting the show together, it's like, all right, I got to get this down. Let's come up with a list of 10, which quickly <laughs> snowballed into like a li- mine already exceeds 100. Um, but I was surprised how many on that list I have owned the DVDs for, for at least five years. <laughs> Oh my, and like I had a hard time like my, my shame list is not hard to compile but I get really picky I'm like what counts is it just movies I haven't seen or is it movies that I know I should have seen uh, because I kept tossing like back and forth like if I'm going just movies I haven't seen there's a really weird uh, Mexican western called the Cutthroats 9 that I, I've been dying to watch and I own the fucking Blu-ray the limited edition <laughs> Blu-ray but does that count as a shame if no one else but me has heard of it? 
Is that really like a shameful thing for not watching? I I hopefully that's something we can explore as we go. Yeah, because like it'd be different if I'd be like oh, I haven't seen Hocus Pocus. Because like if I were to say that right now, which I have seen Hocus. Oh, Pocus, thank God! I, just, I watched it the other day, so it's a movie on my mind. If I if I could just like say under my breath right now, I've never seen Hocus Pocus, and at least three people will pop up like what? Yep. <laughs> However, your obscure Mexican Western maybe won't elicit quite the same response. <laughs> That's a movie, but um. No, so like I guess like our our long rant aside, the point of this is we want to take ownership for movies that we haven't seen, and like not even like fessing up like oh I haven't seen. It's like be proud of the fact that you haven't seen something. Like there's there are more movies in this world than anyone has time for, and some of it comes down to time. Some of it comes down to just what fascinates you. But then there are certain movies I just tell myself like I know I should see this. Why haven't I like? My mom's favorite movie of all time is Gone with the Wind, and she's watched it countless times throughout my childhood, but I've never sat down to watch it with her. But I feel like, man, I feel like I should fucking watch Gone with the Wind and see what's what's up with Gone with the Wind. <laughs> Agreed. And I think something we were talking about as we were putting this together, um, because we're people that talk about film. Yeah. Most of what we talk about are things that we have seen 5, 10, 15, 20 times. So we've concreted our opinion on it. Um, mm-hmm. Where this is a really interesting opportunity to take all of our views on film and storytelling and see something that a lot of the world has seen, but we are looking with crystal clear eyes. It's, it's, it's especially interesting because if you think about it, uh, I'm sure you can think of a movie just uh, right off the top of your head where... It has its flaws, but you have uh, you uh, forgive the flaws because you've seen it so many times, and you stop viewing that flaw as a flaw. Like I'm sure you've seen a movie that has a uh, really bad pacing, but you love the movie so much that you're like, "Oh, the pacing's not that bad," or like you know, if something's slower, you're like, "Oh, it's not that slow," because you love it so much, right. and you you uh, you can't view it objectively. Like uh, for example, I love Evil Dead too. But I did a big movie. I rented out a theater recently for uh, me and my fiance's joint bachelor and bachelorette party where we picked two movies uh, and we watched them in a theater. And Evil Dead 2 was one of them. And I love Evil Dead 2, but there is like a section in the middle where it's just like, wow, this is really slow right here. Boy, that story but, got a little off track, didn't it? Yeah, but it's like at the same time, it's like I love this movie, but I'm curious, like how someone who's first time seen if they would view that, like, like I'm just I don't know, I'm kind of I don't really know what I'm trying to say, but like uh, when you love something, you don't always view its flaws as flaws. So it's like, you know, if I have a flaw in Star Trek: The Next Generation, are you gonna view it as a flaw? Right. And then are we gonna try to kill each other? (laughs) Or if I have a flaw, you being totally in love with me, you may not see that flaw. Yeah, you know. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Well, shall we dive in? I guess so. But the first thing I want to ask you, though. Okay. uh, Because I told you that I had never truly seen Star Trek. You know, I've seen the new J.J. Abrams movies, which I enjoy. Uh, I've seen some uh, bits and pieces of the Star Trek movies, like (laughs) the old Next Generation movies and the old um, uh, OG series. 
Uh, and I feel like I've seen bits and pieces of the episodes throughout my childhood, but I've never w- sat down and actually watched an episode of Star Trek, the uh, the original, the Next Generation, Enterprise, any of... Actually, no, I lie. I've seen the pilot of Enterprise. It's a long story. Um, <laughs> not really. I just don't feel like telling it. Um, but after, you know, most people, when they like, if they were to hear that I've not seen, you know, two of the biggest shows for in Star Trek... They'd be like, well, you know, start with the original series. Why did you have me start with Next Generation? Oh, um, uh, Next Generation is what I grew up on. Um, Makes sense. So I did not see any of the original series until probably four or five years ago. Um, which, Interesting. Which until then, that would have been on my shame list of, what, you've never seen the original series? Um, I kind of view the original series and next generation in the same way that some people view empire strikes back and return of the jedi like you 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 are going to commit to loving one or the other i mean the other one is good obviously but but the people you know like the classic scene in clerks it is clerks right one of the fewest you films where they're debating which one of those two films is outdoes the other you're going to feel passionately about one or the other what did you like better jedi or the empire strikes back empire blasphemy empire had the better ending i mean luke gets his hand cut off finds out vader's his father a uh, hand gets frozen take away by boba fett it ends on such a down note i mean that's what life is a series of down endings all jedi had was a bunch of muppets for me that is next generation I've gone back, I've watched the original series, and I understand why it was so powerful for the time. And I really enjoy it as part of this broader, you know, Star Trek universe. However, I think Next Generation, in my humble opinion, and a lot of people will disagree with me, but I think Next Generation is superior in most ways. It's interesting because, like, uh, I can tell you right now, one of the things that scared me off from watching it... um, I had a guitar teacher back in the day named Jay, who is uh, also a, hu- a, pr- a huge uh, nerd. Like he, uh, he was one time telling, like he he would just talk my ear off, and not not in a bad way, because I really enjoyed listening to him. He'd talk about to- his his uh, his love hate for Tolkien and uh, Star Trek and all the different different things. And like he told, like I might be misquoting him, so if he's ever listening to this episode, <laughs> I'm sorry, Jay. Um, but he was telling me like how how big it was when Next Generation came out because he was a fan. You know, he used to watch the original Star Trek as a kid. And if you think about it, it's a huge fucking gap between the original and Next Generation. Oh, yeah. And uh, he, I remember him saying like, it wasn't great, but it was Star Trek, so we just we dealt with it. Something. <laughs> wow, if a big Star Trek fan can bear like he's not a big fan of this, maybe I should, maybe it's not that good. But then like since getting older, I've met so many people who like love the next generation as and i i could be wrong about this but i would peg if you ask anybody that has a strong feeling one way or the other when they were born that that is the yep it it's what you grew up on if you grew up watching the original series that is the better show if you grew up watching next generation then that's the better show I can you can honestly say the same thing about uh, Star Wars with the the originals and the prequels. Sure. Uh, so many people who grew up watching the original films hate the prequels, but I used to teach uh, I used to teach film to uh, third, fourth, and fifth grade, and 
um, the most requested film out of those kids was uh, was the prequel Star Wars films. That Jar Jar Binks is amazing. <laughs> And, you know, and it's not because like you, the kids have bad taste or anything. It's just because that's what they grew up with, right? Um, so yeah, I, I I feel like you're right, and you know I'm an adult and, and getting into Star Trek now. So I guess let's get into uh, the discussion. So do you want to know my just general opinions on the show, or do you want to go episode by episode? How do you how are you feeling about let's, this? Let's um, I'll do I'll, I'll explain why I picked the episodes that I picked. And then I think okay. I want to go episode by episode. Maybe you could give me just a brief, if you have overarching thoughts, you can throw those in there. But I definitely want to hear what you have to say about the specifics on each episode. I guess let's go specifics. And then if you can't tell what my general opinion is at the end of it, I will I will <laughs> give a conclusion. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I will be great in you on your sentence structure. Um, okay, so uh, we decided to do three episodes. Um, the and the pilot was kind of assumed. Yeah, that's that's pretty much with any because um, what's what's uh interesting about this sh- uh, show and uh, what's Dick's different than other movie podcasts is we're including television shows. And uh, one thing that me and Nick talked about uh, what makes it uh, television shows can be hard because like TV shows like say like Mash or All in the Family are easy because they're not they don't they're not tied down to an overar overarching narrative overarching overarching whatever they're not tied to an overall it's overall narrative but like say if we were to watch like breaking bad you kind of have to watch them in order but no matter what if it's a show we never seen you have to watch the pilot because there's characters you need to be introduced to right um, so we went with Encounter Encounter at Farpoint of course for that um, then I had to pick two more uh so I went with one of my favorite episodes, um, which is Darmok, uh, which is if you're a Trekkie, then you you well know the Darmok and Jalad Etanagra that has infiltrated the uh, the mythos quite quite substantially. Um, and then my earliest memory of a Next Generation episode, which was the Skin of Evil. Um, an episode from the first season in which a main character dies, which was kind of unusual. You know, nowadays with you got The Walking Dead and we were talking about Game of Thrones, you didn't, nobody is safe. But back then, you didn't often see a main character get killed off in the first season. I will say, though, um, it was rather shocking having watched the pilot and then an episode. It's like, I just met this fucking character. <laughs> right. <He's> dead. <laughs> <laughs> there there weren't all that many episodes in between the two to give you much of a different feeling if you had watched them. In 22 episodes, you don't get to know that fucking character? Yes, it's, uh, you, it's, 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 I know it's episode 22. Right. Oh, impressive. Someone's done their homework. <laughs> but it's still, it, it like, now I didn't watch them in, in order growing up, obviously. They were already serialized and I was watching them completely out of order but uh, when i would go back and watch them you know through netflix and hulu these streaming uh binge watching which i've only done like 20 times so it's not too bad um no you're fine it it out of seven seasons when you realize that she didn't even make it to the end of the first season you you wanted more from miss tasha yar i wanted more from miss tasha yar just because like 
in in the episode where she dies, um, you know, they're making uh, her and Worf are talking about how like she's about to do like this big kung fu contest or whatever. But then in her fir- in in uh, encounters of Farpoint, she uses some of her said kung fu and it looks terrible. It's like <laughs> you're not gonna win. The- it's like if this is what kung fu is like in space, man. It's future I could probably kung clean fu. Up. They've they've <laughs> developed the techniques a little. <laughs> Yeah, because like that, that I, and um, that's one thing I definitely noticed about because it's you know uh, I I feel like I've heard this quote somewhere in my life, so I, I don't know who to attribute it to, but someone one time told me that watching Star Trek is like watching uh, submarine combat because <laughs> just a lot of talking and like them talk saying what they're gonna do, and then you just hear in sound effects for it, right? And like. And everybody and I shapes I, I, simultaneously. And I, I don't mean this necessarily in a bad way because it's kind of a, it's kind of a kitschy thing. But then, like, whenever they have to get out of their comfort zone and do so, any sort of action, it feels very awkward. <laughs> <laughs> no one of their main weapons is a phaser. You just, you just it's, yep. <laughs> well, and it's interesting that that um, analogy because a lot of earlier space travel shows had this very like you know rocket ship kind of take on space travel where uh star trek is very nautical in its in in its reference point and and that came across very heavily um i I, that was the first thing that's first note actually no the uh the first note i have is weird acting Uh, (laughs) and i'll explain that in a little bit but my second note is naval combat yeah But uh, I guess uh, before we get too too deep into this, should we just jump into encounters at Farpoint, which Let I was not dive. expecting that episode. I was not expecting the episode to be like an hour and a half long. <laughs> I was not expecting that to be a movie. Right. Yeah. The two parters get really sneak up on you. Yeah, because I was like, oh, the pilot episode. Yeah, I can take care of this. Um, so how should we do this? Do you want to? Uh, you just you want me to just go straight into my opinions on it? Yeah, I want to hear your your unfiltered, unbiased opinion before it gets sullied with my thoughts. I will say, and like part part of these comments could also be coming from a person who doesn't really know uh, the pacing and uh, story structures of most Star Trek episodes. Had not really having seen a full episode and only going off of Abrams movies, which I have heard from a lot of my Trekkie friends the ones who love it and the ones who don't love them uh to tell me that you know uh the way he structures his films is completely different than the way that Roddenberry or any of his writers would do it cuz my one of my biggest problems with it is it's a really weird dense p- pilot yes because like i feel like there's two major storylines happening totally you're introdu- different <laughs> yeah totally different that kind of tie together at the very end you're introduced to a character who i'm going to just go on a whim and say is going to become a big villain in uh, the, the next generation universe um he's introduced like i want to say we meet him before we meet any of our principal like uh crew members definitely a big and, chunk of them yeah and there's so many characters like it's hard for me to like really gravitate towards anyone, and our the character that we're kind of following. I, I'd count uh, 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 Jean Luc Picard as our our hero. Yeah, not really because it's really about their combined efforts. But you know, we see a lot of this through his lens, through his prism. I'm gonna be straight out there. I didn't. It, it took me. Um, it took me until the the pretty much the end of the third episode. You suggest to even like him. <laughs> 
I was liking him because I have this this you know the image of uh, of uh, what the fuck's his first name Stewart uh, Patrick Patrick Stewart. There's so many people with Stewart in their last name in Hollywood. Patrick Stewart. You know I'm thinking like oh he's Professor X. I like him. Or even better his his role in uh, Robin Hood uh, Men in Tights. Uh, Spectacular. That was the first time I was ever introduced to him. Brother, you have surrounded your given name with a foul stench. From this day forth, all the toilets in this kingdom shall be known as John's. But uh, it's like, wow, this character is very unlikable, very stern. And like, as soon as they introduced Riker, it's like, this is the dude I like. Right. I like Riker. He is. And then like, I don't. That was what was hard for me. It's like there's so many characters. I kind of have an idea who some of these people are. And then I was just trying to follow the the narrative of it. Yeah. Uh, like you said, there's a lot going on. And upon, you know, re-watching this as I did to prepare for the show, like you observed, there are two, two different episodes, which is, you know, obviously it was a two-parter originally, a to-be-continued format, but typically it follows a single narrative over the course of those two episodes and this they loosely tied together but they were really two different and very thick storylines particularly the stuff with q it was so heavy yeah it was like i want to say within five minutes they're already up for like trial and um i don't i guess um because like i've seen as watching these three episodes i've seen a lot of parallels to um uh doctor who and I'm really curious if Gene Roddenberry was at all, at all inspired by it because there's a lot of parallels between this, uh, between the two shows. Uh, not even not so much storyline, but just a little bit storyline, but like just kind of how they, the vibe that they give. And like I'm thinking about like um, in uh, Doctor Who when Matt Smith is first introduced, like that is a great episode to introduce people to Doctor Who because they kind of sum everything up without having a really dense plot and it kind of, you know, you know who the character is, you learn about his traits, you learn what a time ward is and it kind of sends you off. This, I felt like, shit, I've got to like grab a notebook and <laughs> plot out everything, figure out who these people are and then just like, also trying to figure out the hierarchy of uh, of of Starfleet or Star Command. Is it Starfleet? Star Star, I think it's Starfleet. Starfleet. Oh, Starfleet. Uh, you know, just trying to like, wow. I feel like I'm uh, I I I I'm taking a test that I'm not prepared for. I wonder how much of that is the this pre-established uh, intensity of the Star Trek fandom and Star Trek universe. Like, if there was additional pressure there, um, that if you had seen the first the pilot when it first aired uh if that wouldn't have been there yeah and like and it, it, maybe that could be as well cuz i'm also wondering like uh not having seen like what the pilot for the original series is like i feel like a, a lot of pilots ease you in and this pilot felt more like <laughs> th- this pilot felt like it was for established trek fans right. like cannonball <laughs> Someone who's who's just coming in, it's like, let's see what this Star Trek thing is all about. Would probably turn it off because they're. I I stuck with it, um, uh, mainly just to hear uh, uh, Jean Luc Picard talk about his weird thing about children. That was kind of fun, right? Yeah, and that does become a running thing that he just does not like kids. 
my, my fiance was wa- was not only only say watching with me. She was she was working on some arts and crafts while I was when I was watching it. And like he gave his little speech to Riker about kids, and she just kind of looked up and <laughs> gave the TV a look and went back to her art, to her crafts. Who's this asshole? <laughs> yeah. Well, and something else that has been running through my mind since you started describing your reaction to him is what an interesting might be the nice way to say it an interesting casting decision to pick this Shakespearean actor um, to do this very not you know I mean certainly they tie in Shakespearean themes throughout it but on the surface why would you cast him yeah because like you look at him and you look at uh, Kirk and there are two very different styles of captain uh, and like, even though I didn't really like Patrick Stewart's character, I didn't really like the character of Picard. I can't deny and say he wasn't well performed. Like every scene that uh, uh, that uh, Patrick Stewart was in, he 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 played it very believable. He wasn't there wasn't like ever a point where like I felt like he was chewing the scenery. He he made a he 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 gave a very grounded performance, which is more than I can say for a lot of other people. Right. Because uh, a lot of the other actors, and I'm not saying they're bad actors, I just feel like maybe it was the direction they were given, felt almost so so stiff that it would, it seemed painful. <laughs> like, like I just remember like there's one moment I want to say it was it was Jordy. He like, no no it was Riker giving Jordy a command. And he's like you go over there, and he like the way he lifted his arm and pointed <laughs> felt very awkward and strange. And Jordy just kind of looked at him and just walked <laughs> completely stiff to the direct where he's going is like what the hell guys like, that's the take or, you decided to go with that one <laughs> yeah and like or like there's like if anytime they had to show emotion i don't feel like their voice ever went above monotone yeah and that will go off on a whole other tangent that i could do 17 episodes on is uh and you didn't see as much of this character in the pilot but data who is an android Frust- who has and kind of and kind of frustrating? No, no personality, and it's definitely exacerbated in in the pilot, and very quickly slopes off into what becomes the comic relief of the show. Yeah, because like I got the impression that he is kind of like supposed to be the Spock character, the very calculated character who's learning how to be more human, but. I don't know. I had a hard time with his character. Any time he spoke, it's like you're the C three PO of this of this show. You're just here to give us information. (laughs) That that very quickly goes away. That was first episode, maybe first three episodes, and it very quickly ramps into like Data kind of having more life than a lot of the other characters do. That's so weird. Yeah, right. (laughs) Therein lies the beauty of (laughs) Data. But as I was saying, like earlier, like how I really liked Riker when I when he when he was introduced, even like, it's like, even though it's a it's, excuse me, it's a ship of, of humans, he felt the most human out of everyone, like he felt like I felt like, he his his was the his was the story I wanted to follow. Here's this guy coming in, and I wish they would have touched on this a little bit more instead of him jumping directly into his his position. You know, here's this guy who's who's coming in. Who has heard the? Who's heard what Picard is like? Who's trying to get his um, his approval and trying to prove that he's good at this position? And uh, he seems he seems like the character who's going to get more emotionally compromised 
like you know how Kirk was always emotionally compromised in the original series. Even though I haven't seen it, I've that's a trend I've heard of. Right. Um, uh, he. Picard doesn't feel like he, that's going to happen to him too much, but Riker seems like the type of dude who would, who follows his heart, right? More than yeah. anything, so it's like, oh, this is the character I I want to side with because Picard honestly at times feels like a cyborg as well. <laughs> I don't know if heart is the body part I would use to say that he follows, but he's definitely following a body part. I will say though, jumping ahead a little bit, and we'll talk about it more when we get to that episode. How at the at the beginning of the series, I didn't really like Picard and liked Riker. By the time we got to the third episode, it was switched. Yeah, completely one eighty. It's like, oh, I hate this character. Yeah, he drew the beard. What the was that beard all is, about? Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> uh, and I have to ask, was the admiral supposed to be McCoy? The admiral. Like they they talk about like oh the admiral's on the ship inspecting and it's like this old dude who's I think uh, I think he was uh, walking with Riker and they kept referring to him as the admiral. Was that in the or maybe the, the pilot? Ambassador? I don't. Yes. Okay, I don't recall. I'm sure it isn't. We do see if I recall, Scotty shows up in one of the episodes. Um. Not the ones that that we went over today. There are, there are certainly, you know, the walk-on appearances, but not in any of the ones that we went over today. I don't see no points on your ears, boy. But you sound like a Vulcan. No, sir. I'm an android. Hmm. Almost as bad. I'm not going to lie. Had it not been for the fact that I was doing this challenge, I guess, I don't know if uh, uh, Encounters at Farpoint was gripping enough for me that I would have continued on had it not been for a push from someone. I might have went in one or two more episodes in order, but I think it's because it's a, it's a mixture of like Star Trek is a very dry is very dry. Yeah, yeah. And um, I can handle dryness if the people who are you know the characters are moist. <laughs> But they were just as dry. You need a good moist character. But this is the pilot. And in most shows, you're going to get a lot of exposition, a lot of... You don't really get to meet any of them well, you know? Um, Yeah, and and there's there's some things I liked. Like, I I like the, uh, uh, the... the the kitschy uh, special effects right i thought they, they they had this weird ability to both look great and terrible at the same time <laughs> yeah. and their use of models and at first i couldn't tell if the enterprise was 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 um was a uh, a really good model or really bad cgi <laughs> good model that's a good model <laughs> but how wonderful that it floats in that uh, uncanny valley <laughs> yes um but i thought you know i'm gonna keep on going with this because uh, Nick Richards seems to love this show, and I know so many people who do. Um, I know I, I talked to a good friend of mine, Kate, who's a huge uh, Trekkie, and she th- suggested I should have started with the original series because she thinks that one would have uh, would have entertained me more. But I, I've heard that uh, that uh, some people have told me that Next Generation is more the is the more mature of the of the series. Oh, so definitely, thought, well, maybe. And that's you know let's, let's let's figure out what this one's all about. And to be fair to your initial reaction, if we hadn't agreed to use the pilot in that kind of three series three episode format, I wouldn't have picked the pilot. But uh, I'm glad we did watch the pilot because 
while I did, there wasn't a whole lot of the of these characters to begin with, uh, you know, to get to know, um, <clears throat> I would have been even more lost. Like the fact, <laughs> like um, they don't touch on it a whole lot, but I would have been really confused. The whole Troy in her mind reading, oh right, abilities. I, um, you know, um, I liked knowing, even though they, <clears throat> at least not in the episodes that we watched, it, it wasn't touched on. I liked knowing that Riker was the new one to the crew. I didn't see how it happened, obviously, because we didn't watch one of those episodes, but um, I'm glad I got to meet Wesley Crusher because I would have been even more confused. Like, why is this kid on, the, on the, like, operating the bridge? Right. By, um, so I can kind of piece it together. It's like, oh, he's new to the ship, and later on he, he's he's working on the bridge. I can kind of figure out context clues, figure out how he got there. Um, but, no, it's like I'm glad I watched it, though. I had to. I had to force myself to go into the next one. <laughs> right. The force is Star Wars, not Star Trek. I know. <laughs> um, I'm not that dense. <laughs> I do have to say though, because like one of the biggest tr- uh, uh, jokes I see online about Star Trek is the whole idea about the red shirts. I really thought like Picard was going to die at one point because he's wearing a right. red shirt, but then I realized that that's original series. So right. Yep. Next generation writes their own fucking rules. They really mixed up the uh, uniform color stuff in between those two points in Star Trek history. But to be fair, didn't Scotty wear a red shirt? He did. Yep. And he survived. Well, well, I'd like to think eventually, like, cholesterol killed him. They, <laughs> they didn't say how how quickly a red shirt died. Right, yeah. And in, <laughs> I'm pretty sure in Futurama they establish how he died and that he was replaced by Welshie. Yes. That's. I'm pretty sure that's Star Trek canon. <laughs> Probably. Let's go with it. Um, All right. So, is there anything else you want to say about Encounter at Farpoint, or should we move on to Skin of Evil? One more bit that I want to touch on, and this goes to how the you mentioned the how it's more a more mature series than the original series, and that it's so dense, and that's a lot of what I enjoy about it, especially on multiple watchings. But it's definitely a show. If I want to continue on, I have to be awake. I have to oh, like, yeah. be ready for. <laughs> Um, but one of the concepts that they bring up in this particular episode, and it's more the stuff with Q in the first episode, or the first half of it, is this idea that, and and it runs throughout the entire Next Generation series, is once we as a civilization learn to accept each other and quit trying to, like, it, when consumerism dies off and, and we all learn to agree with each other, Um, not agree with each other to accept each other that is when we will evolve that's when we'll really start to to do something with ourselves as as a world um but they also hinted at this idea that it's gonna get worse before it gets better or you know and if you carry that out in our world it's clearly a speculation but when q takes them to that court it's clearly after our time but before the present in Star Trek that that things really devolve and it's after that that they're able to overcome these things that we struggle with in our world. Wait. I feel I feel like that's a that's a plot point that I might have missed. I understand everything like I get the uh the whole point that Q was trying to make, but Q is from a different time? Q is from all times. <laughs> but Okay, because like that was one thing I wasn't I I I uh 
I, I kind of got the idea. I, I kind of got that feeling, but like when he took him to court, I couldn't place where right. in the timeline <clears throat> of the world or of, of of the universe or whatever that that took place at. So I didn't know if he was trying them uh, because like he took them to the future and he sees where the world's going, or if he's from the past. I couldn't figure that <clears throat> one out. Q was using their own uh, humanity's own past kind of against them using their horrific past as an example of how they're barbarous and don't deserve to be exploring the universe um so it's in the viewer's future but the the uh the people on the enterprise it's from their past so it's somewhere in between those two points interesting okay i feel like it doesn't change the narrative all that much but it's kind of nice to have some uh context to to uh where he's at right and there's a lot of speculative you know air quote depth to to next generation that you didn't get in as much of in the original series well it's it's also interesting too like the the the, the reason that q just was such a like a, a dumbfounding character because like i get the i get the idea that like this is the maiden voyage for the enterprise they haven't really done much yet other than like because like uh pretty much flying around like they haven't had an adventure yet or anything so it was like it was strange that like here's this character who's like judging them uh for thing for like granted you know he's not judging their actions so much he's judging humanities but it's like and this is like their first fucking thing and they've already got an answer to you know (laughs) things they haven't done yet for all of humanity (laughs) it's like that's a pretty tough first day Which Picard handles admirably, I'd say. <laughs> I, I'd say so. All right, so to uh, the skin of evil. Skin of evil. Um, like, like I said, I, I've never seen a complete Star Trek episode before this. Um, but I've seen clips and bits and pieces of, you know, probably from all of the the series and this is the one that felt the most like the 60s tv show to me especially the planet they're on felt very much like they just stole that set from <laughs> from the from the original series yeah like with the bad rocks and the, <laughs> and the uh the the colored lighting coming up from the wall it's like oh wow but then i have to say all that all the um hold on let me check my notes real quick yep. get his name armis those effects looked pretty great. His weird, creepy, like, grossness. And that's another thing. He sounds like a he sounds like a dude who's never left his mom's basement. He just sounds like this creepy nerd who, um, you know, hasn't left his mom's basement. Yeah. I am Armas. Why are you here? Again, and like it, beca- it, it became comical after a while. It it harkens back to that that Futurama episode that I referenced earlier, not realizing that that was the spoof of this episode that we were about to talk about. Or it pulls from I several, kept, but that's definitely one of the strong ones. I kept thinking, like, I was like, I wonder if this is a spoof. I wonder if the, uh, Futurama spoofed this episode. <laughs> I kept wondering that. So so uh, the evil oil monster's mom should have come out at the end and. He's 30 years old. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, this I enjoyed this episode more than the first one. Uh, it still had some of that really stiff acting that uh, it was taking me a little while getting used to. And, like, the fact that, like, 
you know, this fucking creature comes out of the oil, and at one point even, like, take takes Riker, and no one, like, shows that much, like... <laughs> they weren't that... Like, they're, get, they're not that close to him yet. <laughs> no, they're like, oh, it took our friend. And every time, like, the, any characters, like, is like, oh, like, when Troy... I'm skipping around this episode, was when Troy was saying, like, um... Uh, you know, it's like I would uh, I would give myself for for any for anyone on the ship because they're my friends or something along that line. It's like I don't feel like you guys are friends because you don't seem like super friendly. <laughs> that's yeah, that's probably in part a result of jumping around a bit and yeah, like I haven't seen like the only time I felt like there was a, a little bit of friendship was between Worf and uh, what was her name? Uh, uh, Tasha. Tasha, yeah. like. There seemed like there was a little something there at the beginning of the episode, and and you get the bit with Riker and um, uh, Troy in the pilot oh. where they first re-encounter each other, like, and they're talking through the mind, like, "Hey, you remember that time? Yeah, I remember that time." Yeah, I don't. I was like, "Who's scandalous?" <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I I enjoyed this episode uh, quite a bit, and I uh, it. it the, the pacing of this episode was more what I was expecting out of the pilot, and then to have like you know a crazy two part adventure cr- weird narrative. I figured was going to happen a little bit later, <laughs> right? But like, because this is like this is um, you know, I thought it was pretty. I thought it was easy to follow. I thought it had a really interesting villain, and I even used that loosely because like the thing I liked about this episode is by the end of it, like you. you He's still a piece of shit oil monster, but you kind of found out why he was a right. piece of shit oil monster. Yeah, and that's true of a lot. It, even the board, as you venture out, especially into the like Deep Space Nine and Voyager, gets that all of these super evil, either you know races or or creatures or whatever that they introduce at some point you end up either understanding their plight or even sometimes those, you know, join the crew and it they become just reflections of of our society, you know. Mm-hmm. That we're all the same. Black, but white, like, yellow, oil monster. <laughs> but I, I also kind of dug to, like, um, the fact that they had to, because it almost seemed kind of cruel that they had to, ex- but it, it worked for the narrative like they had to exploit this character's rage but it worked out really well because like you know as he says in the episode you know killing doesn't get and he do- it doesn't get anything from killing people he likes to torture them so it's kind of interesting they had to do the same thing to him to get everyone out of there who's the monster now <laughs> exactly i was like picard you're way too good at this <laughs> uh, it's one of the other episodes that i considered but I believe it was another two-parter that I didn't... That it was too much. There's a great one where he... Uh, Picard is kidnapped by uh, Cardassians. And the Cardassians? Yes, not the Tim Cardassians. The regular Cardassians. <laughs> um, and and he's tortured... Like, for two episodes, he's tortured. And No, goddamn. They, they, and again, it's like you, you see the advantage of having cast a shakespearean actor in these because he's not just out on planets trying to seduce alien women and you know blast things with his phaser he's he's portraying these sometimes very dark ideas um and exploring our own humanity um but there's this bit where they 
the they turn on these four lights and just flash and it's blinding and they keep repeatedly asking him how many lights there are and he says four and he goes no there are only three lights and continually they do this over and over again throughout these two episodes and when he's finally free he's uh uh he, he very angrily repeats, there are four lights, there are four lights, you know, I'm not going to cave in to this torture. And he's recounting his experience, I believe, to Riker. Um, and he says, you know what, to be honest, by the end of that, I was almost, con- like, I was convinced that there were three lights. And just stuff like that, it's so good. Yeah, and, and what you're saying about casting a Shakespearean actor, I feel like it um, it works too, because like, I have, while well, I haven't delved too deeply into it, um, Having a Shakespearean actor like Patrick Stewart, where it's very dialogue heavy, and not even dialogue heavy, but like a Shakespearean actor can deliver um, exposition better than most other actors, right. because like a good portion of, of Shakespeare is you know soliloquies and you know asides, where it's just talking for the sake of talking, <laughs> and he can make that seem natural better than like say Riker could. Right. It would just it would just seem like weird acting if Riker did it, but uh, you give lines like that to someone like Patrick Stewart or William Hurt, man, he'd be good in Star oh, Trek. Oh yeah, w- William Hurt could just like fucking just talk to himself, <laughs> and like it'd be compelling. Which he did in Doctor Who. It was a different actor, but it was himself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Call back. <laughs> Do you see what I did there? I did. I did. <laughs> That was right before I fell off of that show. <laughs> so I saw I saw those episodes. Um, but no, I actually I really liked Skin of Evil um, because it it it, uh, it had a good plot. It was also I don't I I don't think it was meant to be because I I obviously I've never met Gene Roddenberry, but he seems the type of guy who would take his material too seriously. So I don't <laughs> think it was meant to be funny, but it was kind of campy and fun. So there was a little bit of that, you know, to to uh, keep you going. Right. But then by the end of it, you're like. It just had a really good ending, and like I loved because it, it it was almost cruel, but like you don't want to say it's cruel because this this cre- you know Armis was cruel, so like being cruel back to him shouldn't be a bad thing. But like when when uh, Picard said uh you know make this planet uh I don't remember what he said like uh, um um so that no one can visit it like off limits it almost seemed cruel because then he stuck there by himself. And that was the reason he was angry from the beginning, right. but he also, he can't risk anyone else flying down there and, you know, potentially getting him off the planet. Right. And it's like, Oh, I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> Feelings. I shouldn't be feeling bad for the oil monster. <laughs> he was so sparkly too. That was nice. I know. Well, at first, like when they first started showing the oil moving across the ground, I was like, "Man, that CGI is terrible." <laughs> but then when they went to practical oil, it's like, "Oh, this looks she looks great." Right. Yeah. <laughs> Do more of that. <laughs> All right. I don't have a whole lot of notes on Skin of Evil. I think I picked it uh, primarily. I don't. I don't really either because of my history with that. That kind of made my springboard into the show. And you know, as you kind of pointed out, it was just kind of a straightforward. You know fun let's you know deal with this monster and it had some complex next generation-esque you know moral quandary at the end but that's cut and dry yeah and then it's uh it's it was um really uh um a big leap to go from season two episodes of season one to season fucking five (laughs) miss miss a couple of 
plot points in there, yeah. Like, I'm just going to, before we even start talking about, uh, 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 shit, what was the name of the episode? Um, I just. Darmok. It was, uh, Darmok, which, by the way, since it was all about, you know, deciphering, figuring out how to communicate, there was a brief second where I thought, oh, everything must be backwards, because Darmok is comrade backwards. Oh, nice. Look at you. <laughs> I was wrong, by the way. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, for, before we start really talking about Darmok, uh, the first thing, uh, the, my first note for uh, for that episode was Riker's beard and Worf's hair. <laughs> totally, yeah, tr- very dramatic facial and and then like uh, you know they they finally have a, a, a uniforms that fit because like everyone was like was ripped in in the first episode because their their their, their suits were so tight. Like Patrick Stewart looked like he had some guns, he had pecs. Everyone's outfit actually fits them except for Troy's. She has that weird onesie <laughs> in uh, in this in this episode. Troy's outfit changes pretty much with each season, but I actually know the reason why the uniforms changed. Um, as oh, give me some trivia. A, as most Trekkies would, um, Patrick Stewart, uh, his chiropractor said, "You cannot wear that outfit anymore. It is ruining your back." And so Patrick Stewart said, "We have to change the uniforms on this show." Well, the uniforms are really strange too because they they kind like how tight and form fitting they are. They kind of reminded me of like the the '60s show, but then they had that weird little triangle thing down at the end of the pant legs. Right. It's like this does not seem like it's a really good uniform. <laughs> You'll also see if you watch the show more. Um, Picard is constantly like readjusting his top, what which I believe has come to be known as the Picard maneuver, even though there is an official Picard maneuver in terms of. Uh, space battle but like him adjusting his shirt which he does especially when he gets worked up he's always working it and getting it in the right spot <laughs> well that's that was another thing i noticed too it's like man his uniform is actually kind of cool because he's got like the gray uniform underneath right he's that baller jacket right yeah he's got that and his, his pant legs are tucked into his boots and it's like yeah <laughs> which is rocket you see more of that in the next generation movies too those gray uniforms yeah, I thought that was like, man, his look is, is, is awesome. Is, is I want that jacket. Is he on fleet? Is, are the kids still sure. saying that? I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm an old man now. <laughs> but you've got children. Yes, which is what makes me instantly dorky and not worth listening to. <laughs> ah, whatever. <laughs> um, another thing I noticed before I actually get into my like feelings about the episode, because I'm just like, my notes aren't like... Um, my notes are just like little observations. Uh, I'm 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 happy the production value went up. <laughs> yes, because like, um, and it's I attribute this probably because they they all came out out around the same time. It's like it kind of felt like this this episode felt like the space version of Xena. Ooh, nice because of its location because yeah. of its locations <laughs> and like because uh, the production value went up because those early episodes of Star Trek Next Generation and I read online there's a reason for this. Uh, it felt like the original series, but because they ported over like unused sets from the original series, and just did that, and I was like, "Oh, way to save some money, guys." Right. Um, uh, and uh, my last comment is like, well, "While at the beginning of the show, Riker felt like he was the more compassionate one, he's 
he's like he was the one ready to bomb those fuckers out the uh, out uh, out of you know to kingdom come and like here's patrick stewart the one who i thought like you know picard's character who i thought was like this really cold calculating person who's taking who who, who's talking about patience and to uh to understand this person and it's like i feel like if this episode would have came in the early seasons you know Riker would be the one trying to get to know these aliens it's just I'm, I'm curious if they're like since you know there's a lot of seasons that I missed going to this episode like if it if it's I don't think it's poor writing but if they're if it's poor writing or if it's like character change I don't think it's I, I think um like like to me Picard while he's not super touchy-feely emotional he has very concrete ideals and yeah and one of those ideals is um that both interacting with but uh what's the phrase i'm looking for uh, preserving these other societies that he's meeting out there you know he, he he sticks to the commandments of starfleet where their goal is to explore and and meet people not to affect the outcome of these big political you know whatever's where Riker, as you observed before follows his guts his fire you know and that same thing that will make him more passionate and more uh, uh you know open also makes him a little bit more trigger happy uh if yeah if, i could see that if he feels that his crew is in danger yeah i can definitely see that um but no, I, I actually really liked this episode, um, and it really played into Patrick Stewart's Shakespearean uh, abilities very well because I, I love that the entire episode is based around a story. Yep, that's exactly why I put it on this list. For two guys who love storytelling, like this episode of Next Generation, I I don't know if I go out far enough on the limb to say that it's my favorite but it's definitely one of my favorite episodes and if i think about next generation this episode always comes to the top of the list it is what's interesting too like the thing like there's there's a lot of things that i'm so far liking about star trek um and a big part of it is gene roddenberry is pretty great at world building yep creating a whole universe and a world in which for these characters to live and um um, you know, like in mythologies, like uh, what's nice about doing something about space travel is each there's not just one mythology. Everyone's gonna like every planet race is gonna have their own mythology. Like, and that that became even more apparent like when uh, Troy and um, da- da- uh, Data were you know searching, were doing their big search for Darmok, and like forty Darmok means something to so many different yep. races of people, yeah. and it's like man. Like this can just jettison off to so many different things, and like I automatically like started picturing like the story of Darmok in my head, and like so I'm uh, I'm gonna be completely candid, and you know this might be something that people love about Star, Star Trek. My least favorite thing about Star Trek is just the general look of things, like the like I feel like it could it it could be made in a more visually pleasing manner, and still keep everything that's involved in it. Granted, it was TV in the '90s, so. F- for what it was, right, it was good, and because that's the the that's what I thought that um, JJ uh, Abrams did very well is he made it look a lot he, cooler. He stylized it, yeah, modern uh, polish that you didn't get in most '90s TV shows. So like, um, but like, I just thought, man, this like, 
Because it kind of reminded, like when they when when Patrick Stewart was telling the story of Gilgamesh at the yeah. end, or when they started figuring out the you know the legend of Darmok and I can't remember the other name. Um, uh, whoever the other when warrior. the walls fell. Yeah. <laughs> Darmok and Gilad at Tanagra. And like, I just kept picturing like, um, man, they could have. If this show had, if if they were were to remake this show today, there's so many interesting ways they could do it. Like, have you ever seen Hellboy two? Yeah, yeah. Like when how they tell the story of the legends in there with, the, with those weird like uh, paper animations. Right. It's like, man, that'd be a really cool way to to visually show these stories while still having Patrick Stewart's just great voice. Right. Like. I started. I started thinking, it's like, how could I, how could I revisualize Star Trek? <laughs> Which there's going to be some Star Trek fans out there who will, will want my head <laughs> right. for that. Though, it, and you know, I I love what you're saying, and I I love the idea of these other style styles. I think for this particular episode in this context, I think one of part of what makes the episode special is. Um, the fact that it's about storytelling like you said and if you start jumping to other visuals i think it loses that two people sitting around a campfire talking to each other and i guess uh, let me uh, paraphrase like if i were um i'm talking about re re if i were to revisualize star trek as a whole like if i were to remake this episode i wouldn't change the two guys sitting around the storytelling the campfire telling stories i'm just because i i feel like I think I feel like you've made reference to that the story of Darmok comes up again, or becomes part of the. Uh, I think I was talking about something else, but yeah, I don't. I think Darmok, Darmok and Jalad stay isolated to this episode, oh, to the I best of my memory. Like I, I, I was like, I guess maybe it was more so the power of Star Trek because like I started picturing it in in other ways but if i were as a filmmaker if i were to remake this i'd shoot it better but still keep it you know two guys sitting around a campfire trying to trying to figure out how to communicate right with each other. yeah and then there's that bit at the end where it, and it happens quite a bit in the heavier episodes they certainly have the lighter episodes um the the silly ones where you know data is playing sherlock holmes on the holodeck for most of it um but oh God. yeah, <laughs> but on these heavier ones, they tend to do this little end cap of whoever was involved. Most often, it's Picard talking with somebody or or by himself, just kind of taking in what has happened. Um, and they do that with in this episode where he just kind of is contemplating that someone cared about communicating with strangers so much that he was willing to die for it. Yeah. And just makes you it, it causes the viewer to reflect a bit. Now some some people may say that's heavy handed and, and for some it may be, but I liked that it, it steers you towards, hey, make sure you're paying attention to this because that bit was an important part of our message. And it's it also to me ties back into the pilot a little bit because like I feel like one of the issues that Q had with humanity is that we uh, try to destroy things we don't understand. Yep. And here's uh, Picard taking great measures to communicate with this with the, with the, with this other life form, who he doesn't have to. Right. I'm sure. I'm sure if he really wanted to, he could take. He could have taken the Riker approach, blew them out of the blew them out of the uh, out of the out of the universe, and uh, Starfleet 
probably wouldn't have, it wouldn't have mattered the Starfleet because right. they you know they could have they could have said oh they were a threat, but you know and even when Picard was sent down to that planet and he thought they were going to battle to the death, he refused. Right. I'm no, I'm not going to battle you. And when they they try and beam him back to the ship, um, they hadn't yet communicated, um, but he knew just enough to know that it wasn't an adversarial relationship and that they were in danger. And he said, no, don't beam me up. I need to be back down here helping this person that I have no idea who they are or what they want. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's, uh, I, I will say like th- this, uh, this felt like a, um, a bigger budget power rangers outtake because like with the monster like the look of the monster and like totally. the way he's like thrashing and like they're very generic looking woods that they're in it's like oh my god this feels like power rangers <laughs> i never uh, i was ex- never would have made the connection but now i will never be able to unsee it <laughs> like if you like were to do a fan edit and like cut from the you know the creature the, the weird triceratops creature and cut to rita repulsa no one would know the difference <laughs> totally or Lord Zed, depending on which one you prefer. <laughs> Remember, it's actually this, another. This is a cinema safe place. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a uh, little tangent. That's another show that like uh, has such a deep mythology that I always thought I love. I love everything about this. If they could update the way it looks and make it look cooler, <laughs> this could be great. Which you know, they I think they're doing Not, right, right now with that new movie. <laughs> yeah, someone beat me to it. God damn it! Someday I'm gonna Jerks. get an intellectual property. That doesn't cost me a billion dollars, and I'm going to remake it before anybody else. <laughs> like uh, thirty years from now, I'm going to I'm going to hit you up for the rights for normal. Oh, those are going to cost you an arm and a leg, my friend. <laughs> just anyone's arm and leg. I was yeah. going to just make that same <laughs> damn joke. God damn you! <laughs> just like Power Rangers, I beat you to it. <laughs> oh, you. <jerk. laughs> But um, no, I guess going back to going back to uh, Darmok, um, um, this is the type of episode that you know does convince me that you know I want to keep on going. I don't know if I, I haven't decided yet if I'm going to jump back to and try to watch a little bit of the original Trek first, or if I'm just you know what I'm going to do. But I want to definitely keep giving it a shot. I I, I got a feeling um, season one it might be a little harder to get through yeah i don't no, know I why agree. i have that vibe it's kind of the same it's the reason i never finished buffy the vampire slayer mm, okay is because um i got maybe like halfway through season one and i was pulling my hair out it's like for every good episode there was just painful other episodes <laughs> and i guess i could even maybe say that about the uh, the uh, the first season of new who new doctor right. who with, with eccleston there's like for every good episode there was another one that's like oh. <laughs> I would say next gen really starts taking off about halfway through season two into season the beginning of three. There's not much bad after the beginning of season three. And these seasons are fucking long, like (laughs) 23, 24, one hour episodes. Yeah, no, this isn't your modern day eight episode seasons. Like, hell, the Venture Brothers can't even give us uh, a full season without taking a break. And they're a half hour it's like here's three and we, we maybe we'll do three more two years from now. <laughs> back in my day tv show creators had a goddamn work ethic well um it's actually crazy like if you go back and look at the production history for batman the animated series um 
they had to make so many they uh, and i feel like star trek might have done the same thing um they had to make so many episodes so they can go right into syndication. Okay. Because normally you need X amount of episodes so you can be syndicated so that way they can show, you know, not just the same like eight episodes over right. and over again. So Batman the Animated Series actually they took like two or three years to make enough episodes in season one <laughs> so that way it can go right into syndication. I wonder if Star Trek did the same thing because 23, 23, 24 episodes is enough that you can syndicate and, you know, Show, a show on a channel and it'll take a while to you know rewatch through all of them sure. while they're making the new seasons. So I'm wondering <laughs> if that's the reason. Could be. I, things have changed a lot with TV in the last two years, let alone twenty. Every show now has taken like a mid-season break, yeah. and then a mid-season, mid-season break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <clears throat> I was uh, every few years or so, I do a pretty hardcore Twilight Zone rebinge. And I'm I'm doing that currently. Okay. Uh, it's not so much a binge because it's not like I'm watching one after one after another. I, I it's my treat before bed. Nice. If I if I'm not so tired because Twilight Zone is one of those shows that if you're tired and you're not really paying attention to you you lose a lot. But it's like my treat before bed. Nice. A nightcap. Yeah. Uh, but their their seasons are ridiculously long too. I want to say 30s, possibly into 40s sometimes. And then, like, season four, they did a longer format and did less episodes, but uh, uh, unimportant tangent. Uh, All right, so let's uh, wrap up your thoughts on Next Gen. You kind of started to... Um, I I guess my my thoughts are, and that's just based strictly on these three, four episodes. Pilot counts as two. Yeah, three and Uh, a half, (laughs) 3.5. I like it. I wouldn't say... I'm not going to say I love it yet. Uh, there's, there's times where it, um, it's really dry and, uh, had I not, you know, had a timeline to watch this at, I probably would have like taken my time (laughs) watching it. And, but, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what else this show has to offer. Um, I just, I, I just need to get past some of my problems with really, uh, cardboard acting and at times, you know? Sure. Yep. Cool. But I, I like it. I I, uh, I I don't feel like I can call myself a Trekkie yet, no. or Trekker. I don't I don't know what you guys prefer. Tre- <laughs> Trekkie now is the uh, the preferred term. But while you don't call yourself a Trekkie, you can no longer say that it is on your shame list. No, it is uh, officially off my shame list, and uh, and I'm glad too. I feel like it's this this thing that's been on like this weight on my shoulders. I feel like I still want to go back and catch a couple episodes of the original series so that way I can really take it off my shame list. Yeah, shuffle because, it in. Because like, it's weird because I I told you I might have to, I don't know if I said this on uh, on mic or if I said it off air or whatever. But like, as a kid, I don't know why I end up renting them or maybe they're on television. I've seen some of the next generation movies <laughs> which made a whole lot of sense with zero context <laughs> yeah i, I and funny thing is like i could the next generation movies have more action than a television show and i still felt they were so <laughs> <laughs> like guys we're doing the movies now we really gotta dial the action up to like three <laughs> <laughs> set your phasers to study <laughs> or to fun <laughs> Uh, I couldn't think of a better one than stunning. So <laughs> stunning, you, no uh, stunning. I like. <laughs> I stole that from the Star Trek cologne. <laughs> the uh, the shirtless Kirk. Uh, it's it's uh, there's a 
the the Star Trek cologne shirtless Kirk has the uh, the uh, expression sets your phasers to stunning. <laughs> That's spectacular. Is that a natural thing or is that a spoof in yes. something else? No, you you could look it up. The, uh, I think Sulu has his own cologne. There's one called Red Shirt. Yeah, uh, Sulu's is is oh my. <laughs> right? I think I. And it, it, yeah, I think so. And I don't know if this is the uh, the slogan for the red shirt, but if not, it, it should be. <laughs> I feel like it should be. I, I think I feel like it goes something along the lines with uh, "Live your life like it could be like <laughs> it's your last day" or something like that. And if it's not, it should be like rewrite it and you know workshop that a little bit. Right. Or, you know, live your life like it, like it's your last, or you know, something like that. Beautiful. There, there's something there. Yeah, there's something there. Um, so. I, maybe we should, uh, you know, because uh, right now we're banking episodes a little bit because I'm about to get married. And Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, and I don't think we've we've necessarily figured out a release schedule yet, even when we're going to w- release this first episode. I feel like we were talking about um, bi-weekly. Yes. Bi-weekly, because I, one, once every month is too far of a time to for anyone to actually want to listen uh, I feel like bi-weekly is a, is a good... Bi-monthly. Semi-monthly. Or bi-weekly. I, like, I, feel, I feel like bi-weekly works because like, if we do one episode every month or every other month, that's very few episodes. And um, it's kind of hard to get a fan base yeah. that way. Uh, but I feel like if we you know just keep up with it and do every other week, um, I feel like that's that's a pretty doable goal. I can do it. And... Uh, it, I, from here on out, we're just we're, we're me and Nick are gonna switch back and forth, uh, with with our our our, our shameful <laughs> movie whatevers. Yeah. Uh, what do you got so, for me next week? Uh, I or was two thinking weeks from now next episode. Yeah, I was thinking instead of going to another television show that we'd go to a movie that I really love that you haven't seen, and we would do the Lost Boys. Next. Oh, this is one of the ones that I own on DVD and have for years and years and years, and have never taken the cellophane off of it. We're not going to go too deep into it, but I will say Lost Boys is one of the earliest was one of the earliest DVDs I can remember doing this with, where I bought the DVD on a whim, never having seen it. I popped it and watched it, and automatically wanted to, wanted to restart it and watch it again. Nice. So I don't know if you're going to get the same right. vibe out of it, but I I, uh, I liked it a lot. So. It's I will say, having done this first episode now, it's kind of interesting to take something that I love so much, and in this format, hear what somebody else whose opinion I respect on film and media and stuff. To it, it's a just a smidge nerve wracking. Little bit, like I was a little nervous, like telling you what I thought about Star Trek, and I was nervous, like what is he gonna think about this thing that I love so much? <laughs> and then I was also nervous, just you know, like thinking from like just a podcasting aspect, is like, man, are we gonna be able to talk for an hour about this? Like, <laughs> but I thought, you know, Star Trek's an easy one because we had three episodes, but man, are we gonna be able to talk for an hour about the Lost Boys? <laughs> We're gonna find out. Uh, and if not, we'll find some some filler. I'll tell you about how my wheat was. And- yeah, we can find some. We can find some stuff. Milo's but, uh, teething and blah blah blah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for those of you who are, you know, hopefully still listening, that's the plan. Is every um, every other week when we release an episode, like I said, we're, we're probably gonna bank them just because of our schedules and everything. He's a dad. I'm working full time. Um, 
and about to get married. So, you know, it's it might not always be easy for us to, uh, you know, get around to recording all the time. So if we record a bunch of them, like, you know, if we do, you know, just get a couple of them ahead of time and, you know, always so that way we're always ahead of schedule, it'll be easy. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll always be jumping back and forth. So I picked the Lost Boys for him, and we'll talk about that next week, I guess. All right, there's one more thing I have to say before we go. What's that? That is Nick and Michael on the podcast. It's a Darmok and Jalad reference. It, it was a little... Oh, I was like trying to figure out. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it might have been a little too generic, but I felt it. Here, I'll try... I understand. Now that you have the context, I'll try it again. It'll be epic. Ready? Ready? Okay. Nick and Michael on the podcast. <laughs> no, no, it was still... No, it, it looked really good on paper. <laughs> when the walls fall. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> On the ocean, Nick. On the ocean. <laughs> I want to go back and rewatch that episode just so I can figure out, like, now that Noah in the story, just try to figure out, like, what the fuck some of these. Uh, that's like it might be the first time I swore this episode. I was trying to watch myself. Uh, what some of these 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 expressions, like how they tie in, right. like, like what exactly are they trying to say? <laughs> Um, and just for the record, since I can't swear during most of the day with my kids, I will be using this as an outlet to swear as much as possible. Oh, perfect. Then I'm just going to, just going to go with it as well. Just let loose. When I, when I was doing my, my art, my, uh, my Simpsons podcast, uh, my failed Simpsons podcast, I felt like I was swearing constantly because I was nervous and I just fill in blank spots of swear words. I was like, I wonder if I can get through a whole conversation about doing that. And I got pretty far. Nice. Pretty far. All right, all right, sir. Is there anything else you want to talk about as far as the show, Star Trek, or Milo's teething before uh, we wrap up? I, I think I'm good. Um, Star Trek fucking rules. I would I was just gonna say rules, but we have established that we are cursing, so fucking rules. Um, and I'm so glad to have popped your Trek cherry. Oh God. <laughs> I don't know what bothers me worse, the fact that you said that or the fact that it didn't bother me as much as I thought it was going to. <laughs> That's a little treat for the folks at home. <laughs> All right. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening to our first episode of The Shameless Picture Show. And we'll be back next time. Peace out.